Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joshaw, and on today's episode, I got the opportunity to speak to Dana Simpson. Dana is a cartoonist, a writer, an illustrator, and, in her words, a unicorn. Dana was fantastic. She drew the internet strip Ozzy and Millie. She won the 2009 comic strip Superstar Contest and developed the strip Phoebe and Her Unicorn, originally known as Heavenly Nostrils. She has done a lot of incredible things throughout her life and her career, and I was super excited to sit down with her and record this episode. So I do want to let you know before we get started that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. So, if this is your first time visiting the Detox Podcast, welcome. We encourage you to sit back, relax, take 45, 50, 60 minutes out of your day, and listen in on a great conversation to help you make a more inclusive world. And if you are a returning listener, welcome back. Thank you so much for coming back. It means the world to us. And if you like the show, make sure you're subscribing, that you're liking it, that you're rating it, you're reviewing it, and you're sharing it with a friend because those one-off recommendations, the one-to-one recommendations are what really help small podcasts like us grow. So thank you so much. And without further ado, my conversation with Dana will be right up after this. What's going on? My name is Joe Shaw, and I host the music podcast After the Encore. After the Encore is a long-form career retrospective podcast that takes you behind the music of some of your favorite artists. Musicians like John Oates of Holland Oates, Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC, Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup, and many others. Each season of the podcast is themed around a different topic, like the boy bands of the 90s, badass women in music, or even artists that were featured on the TV show, The Voice. I am committed to taking you deep inside an artist's mind to find out why they do what they do, what does music mean to them, and how do they quantify success. We tell an overarching story which will take you not only behind the music, but into the psyche of the artists themselves. After the Encore is a proud member of the Roberts Media Group podcast family, Check us out on any of your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is author, illustrator, extraordinaire, Dana Simpson. Dana, how are you doing today? I am doing very well considering I, yes. I feel like you always have to say that these days but yes on balance given the baseline state of the world i feel like i'm doing very well yes that is the perfect way to frame 
every, that whole question because I feel that so often we default to, oh, I'm great, or things are good, or, you know, wonderful. And everyone or, knows whatever, what, right? everybody knows what's going on right now. <laughs> Nobody's great, great, but you can be, great is relative. Right. <laughs> I also, whenever I'm recording some of these and, and we're talking about the pandemic and we're talking about the last year of 2020, now into 2021, I always think about the fact that I go, when people are listening back to this and we're well past COVID, are they just going to wonder like, what was the world like? But you know, I, 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 I always <laughs> am thinking like 10 years in the future. So who knows, who knows what things are going to look like for sure. 10 years in the future. Most people that are listening to old podcasts are going to be people that lived through it. <laughs> but when we hit the generations that didn't it's we're going to be like my grandparents telling me about the depression when I was yes. growing up and it'd be like, Oh, we had to do this and this and this. And it's like, yeah, I know you tell me every time I see you. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, here at the Detox Podcast, we are a podcast where we invite listeners to detox from the world around them. Come listen for 45, 50 minutes, get a perspective that is different from their own, go make a more inclusive world. So I like to start off by asking a question to help level set the conversation. Dana, what are you currently detoxing from? What am I currently detoxing from? That's actually a kind of an easy one because I quit drinking at the start of this year oh wow which is not something i have talked a lot about publicly but um because i kind of don't want to make it sound like i was you know, drinking yeah, constantly right. before that but like like a lot of people during that during covid during the sort of lockdown year my consumption of alcohol crept up sure and i feel like it wasn't contributing to my overall good mood and sure. on like january 1st i was sitting in sitting in our camper van with my spouse and I turned to them and I said I think I'm doing dry January like we'd had champagne the night before sure. and this hadn't been something that was on my radar but like I think I'm doing it and they were like yeah okay and you know <laughs> they, they were humoring me right they were like later they were like I didn't think you'd do it but like I went through all of January and then it was like now I kind of just don't want to anymore. I'm, yep. As we're having this conversation, I'm drinking a glass of non-alcoholic wine, right. <laughs> which I now keep around. And it's kind of like, I didn't think it would be that easy to step away from it, but yep. then I did. And then you start wondering, what else could I quit? Right. What else do I not need in my life that is not doing me any good that I could just step away from? Yeah. Looking at you, Twitter. <laughs> so I like what you said about what are what are things in my life they're not doing good for me they're not contributing to my overall well-being and I think that's so key because I think early like it's so first of all it's so weird that we're saying things like early pandemic and early days and mid pandemic yeah, you know like it's just this point it's like over a year of yeah. our relatively brief time on this earth and yes it's, it's like a big span of time right and so the the idea of i think early days we were all like let's hunker down let's just do what you need to do i think a lot of a lot of maybe vices or just bad habits were kind of glazed over like whatever it doesn't matter we're not going to focus on that we're just going to do what we can do and then we 
and then we do look, what you got to do to get yeah. through this. It's not going to last forever. Yes. And then you find it six months later. And it's like, I should stop doing that. Right. I guess. <laughs> and then you find that you're like, when you start, stop doing these things or start doing different things, then you realize, Oh, I think that wasn't contributing to my well being, And now I'm, I'm more productive or more creative or just doing things that are benefiting me more than I was before. And it's, it's difficult when we're not leaving the house and doing things and marking the time by commutes or in speaking engagements or whatever. You know, something that I like in it too, as well. I mean, I, I'm a cartoonist and I always say that being a cartoonist is sort of the art of subtraction that you, the important thing is to learn because you have limited space. You have four Pan I, I'm a newspaper cartoonist. I have four panels most days. Um, I have to sort of get to what I'm saying and you learn to edit out the, the words you don't need, the, the sentences. I think it's, that's part of writing in general, but in cartooning, especially spaces, spaces at a premium, you learn what words you don't need, what uh, lines in the artwork you don't need. When do you need a background and when you could just make it as simple as possible. I find it's the artist's subtraction as, as much as it is anything. Yeah. And sometimes that applies to life too. Like your, your existence can get very cluttered if you don't start placing some restrictions on it. Yeah. You know, it's so, that's so true. And I think in order for us to live like our full authentic lives, we need to be able to, to look at ourselves holistically about what is, you know, what is filling us up and then what do we need as far as addition by subtraction, right? And improving our lives by taking away from it. But speaking of being full authentic self, do you want to remind people that today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Snuffy. Snuffy is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. That's snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot C-O. The owner and operator of Snuffy is dear, dear friend Nick Silvestri, who designed the Detox Podcast logos. So if you want to go support him, Go check it out, snuffy.co. I am always here for supporting businesses run by trans people of color. Yes, absolutely. Good sponsor. Yes. So they they are a fantastic company. And Nick, I, we had him on the podcast a couple episodes ago to talk about Snuffy. And because he's been sponsoring the show enough, we were like, let's let's talk to the person behind it. And I love his his thought was, I'm not even designing fashion. I'm, I'm putting my art on clothes so folks can wear it as living canvases and I was like oh I love that I love that idea as opposed to like I am a fashion house I am doing this for fashion he was like I'm creating my art and I want to make it wearable so here you go I'm an artist my canvas is clothing I like that right I thought it was so I never thought of that before I thought that was great but I digress so I want to spend some time let's talk about Phoebe and her unicorn uh, I have kids that are both of them obsessed with unicorns. They love unicorns. <laughs> so I want to talk about the origins of you as a cartoonist, as an illustrator, an author, and how it led you to Phoebe and her unicorn. Okay. That's a longish story. Sure. So but I asked him like one question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You asked me one question, but that question is essentially, tell me the entire story of your adult life. <laughs> right. Spanning 25 or so years of time. Right. But it's also my favorite subject. So, exactly. yeah. So I have been a cartoonist pretty much always. 
I was uh, I drew my first comic strip when I was five years old. It was called Boo, and it was about ghosts. <laughs> and the ghosts like zoom into the panel because I. I'm old enough that Pac-Man was a thing when I was yeah. five years old. <laughs> and so they look like the ghost that Pac-Man eats. Right. And they're, they're blue. And they zoom <laughs> into the panel from different directions and they say, hi. And then there's lightning and they're scared. And then they laugh and then they go to sleep. <laughs> Which still gets a bigger laugh than like half the stuff I write now. <laughs> and I, I, I just loved comics when I was a kid. Like it was just an art form that spoke to me. I think. What I always say about it now is that I love to write stories and try to be funny and I love to draw and I really don't like group projects. And comics were this thing that like you read Peanuts and you'd be like, there's this guy, Charles Schultz, and he made this. He made this by himself. This is the thing he wanted to make. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. And I mean, I have a lot of friends who are in like comic books, which is a more collaborative art form or animation even which is very collaborative and i love all of that but for me when i was growing up the idea that i could just sit in my bedroom and make something and it would be a complete something like that was really appealing yeah and so in elementary school and some in middle school um i was like trying to i would try to make my own comics and i kept getting frustrated because making comics is actually hard at least at first right um, you know, drawing characters that are consistent from panel to panel and, you know, thinking up characters in a premise that's interesting and trying to be funny because honestly, nobody thought I was funny when I was growing up. I was not a funny kid, particularly. <laughs> but I, I would try and usually not show them to anyone. Um, and then when I was in high school, we got the internet. The internet became a thing. Um, it, I guess it existed before that, but my house didn't have it. Right. And like, it was it, it was the 90s. The internet was watch any sitcom episode from about <laughs> 1995, and there's a lot of like I got on the information superhighway. But isn't that for nerds? <laughs> but I, I I I found as as a teenager on the internet that there was something called web comics, which were a new art form, but there were already a bunch of them that existed then. Yeah. And so I didn't necessarily decide I was going to become a web cartoonist, but I decided I was going to become a cartoonist and the web seemed like a reasonable place to put comics because other people were putting them there. Yeah. I want my ultimate goal always was like, I'd like to make a living at this. And for me, that meant that I wanted to be syndicated. I wanted my stuff to be in newspapers. And it was very like, it was hard at first, but I, developed a strip called Ozzy and Millie. And yes. Ozzy and Millie would run as a webcomic for about 10 years. I started it in college and then I kept doing it for the next decade. And I would try to get it syndicated. It never successfully landed there, but it did get a decent sized audience online. And it was, Ozzy and Millie was very exciting because I would put something online and then like there were fans of it and right. I never had fans before that. And that is quite intoxicating the first time you have <laughs> it. Even, even though in the beginning it's like five people, it's like, wow, five people are interested. Yeah. And it grows over time. And the other thing that started going on in my life during that time was that I started dealing with my lifelong issues with gender. Yeah. 
it was partway through the run of Ozzy and Billy that I had a day when I was just like, I can't do this. I can't keep trying to be a boy anymore. Yeah. It was just like a voice inside my head that had always kind of been there, but got just a little louder and was like, Hey, you're going to listen to me this time. You know, you're a girl. Yeah. And once you've welcomed that thought into your consciousness, it's pretty hard to put it away. So then I, I had to deal with that. And then I was like, why, why, why did I get an audience and do this? Right. Like if I, cause this is 2005, right? Yeah. Uh, trans, I'm not gonna say being trans now because it's absolutely not, but it was worse then. Sure. Now, at least people that consider themselves tolerant know they're supposed to be nice to trans people and supportive of trans rights. We still have a lot of ignorance to battle, but in 2005, everybody was ignorant. Yeah. It, mainstream culture had not even absorbed the existence of trans people as, as anything other than, than an abstract punchline in 2005. Right. Yeah. So I had to deal with a lot of online stuff around that time because I was visible enough from having done a comic that now had like, you know, 20 to 50,000 readers that I got a lot of, a lot of abuse for a couple of years there. I was kind of driven offline by it. Except I continued posting my comic because I would have kept doing that no matter what happened because it was what I was pouring my heart and soul into. And I still had this idea that I could make a career of it eventually yeah which worked out by the way yes <laughs> <laughs> but like that was rough but i kept at it eventually that got better i think people sort of forgot that i was trans after a while <laughs> yeah um but also it was getting on toward like i'd been doing ozzy and millie for years it was obviously not going to get syndicated it wasn't really making me a living which i mean i wouldn't have cared except that i kind of needed to sure. eat <laughs> and so i brought ozzy and millie to a close and then i was going to move on and do something else something other than cartooning i had, had an idea that okay well maybe i'll try to get some work as a children's book illustrator and I was sort of trying to figure that out. But a few months after Ozzy and Millie ended, my friend Brick emailed me and was like, have you heard of the comic strip superstar contest? And I was like, no, tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. And Brick sent me a link. And it was this contest that Andrews McNeil Publishing was having. Andrews McNeil are uh, important in the comics world. Like, was Calvin and Hobbes' syndicate and yeah. publisher uh, that published like The Far Side, yeah, 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 yeah. Box Trot, and Dunes Dunesbury was their first really big one. That's right. Uh, like so many, so many comics. There's only so many comic syndicates, and Andrews McMeal is one of the big ones. And they were having this contest called Comic Strip Superstar, just like a talent search. And the winner got a, like a development act to develop a strip for possible syndication and also a book contract and i was like i am as qualified to win this as anybody in the world right <laughs> so i entered and i came up with this strip that was called girl i had like two weeks and i had to draw like i had to draw like 12 strips in two weeks which you know 
obviously I can do that. But I had to come up with the whole concept for a strip at yes, that time too. Right. I developed, I came up with this idea for a comic. It was called Girl. It was about a little girl who was basically like a kid for me. Like the first idea I had was I just want to draw myself as a kid. I want to retcon my own childhood so I get to be a girl like I should have been the first time. <laughs> that was the whole idea. And then also like she hung, she hangs out in the woods behind her house with her friends who are mostly a bunch of talking animals. And like they have names like rabbit and bird and dragon. <laughs> and they all call her girl because that's because everybody's just called the thing that they are. That was like right. the whole idea for this. Strip. Sure. And I came up with 12 strips of that and I sent them in and then I sort of forgot I entered. Like how, nothing happened. Nothing happened immediately. Passed? A couple months. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. A uh, couple months passed. To. I didn't hear anything. Um, and then one day my spouse says to me, did you know you're in the top 250? And I was like, in what? And <laughs> so they showed me then. And I was like, oh. Right. Okay. And from then on, I was sort of transfixed by it. It was like I was in the top 250 and the top 100 and then the top 50. And then it was down to the top 10. And the top 10 was where people online got to vote. Oh, now, wow. Up till then, it, up to then, there was a panel of judges and it was like Gary Trudeau from Dunesbury, Lynn Johnston from For Better, For Worse, and Mark Tatuli from Heart of the City. And it was like yeah. all these people I've heard of and read and they're judging my work. Oh my God. And I kept getting higher and higher. And, and then then we got to the top 10 and the internet got to judge and i was like hey ozzy and millie fans would you mind yeah if you voted for me in this contest and i guess enough of them did because i won that's awesome and then, then i've got a development contract and a book contract and it was like i made it i achieved my lifelong dream and now i'm just gonna do this strip and it'll be, and be syndicated and everything will just work out forever right <laughs> But no, what I had was a development contract. Mm. It meant I had to develop something. And right. the first thing they said to me basically was, all right, this has to be better. <laughs> oh the word, uh, John Glenn, who was my editor during this process and then was president of the company for a while after that. Um, he retired just recently. John said, this is good. And like, honestly, it's, as good as lots of stuff that's syndicated now, but this is a really tight market. Newspapers were struggling. It's that's only gotten worse since then. Yeah. In the last 12 years since this happened. Jeez. And oh. uh, yeah. So he was like, you have to be, you have, the word he used was transcendent. Whoa. And I was like, if no this pressure. is not already transcendent, <laughs> I don't know how to make it <laughs> transcendent. I, I, I'll try to transcend a little harder. Right. <laughs> So I kept trying stuff. And it, one of the first things I said was, you cannot name your main character girl. And you, you, she has to have a name. And also the strip can't be called that because it's a common word. It'll never be the top Google hit for that title, mm. which fair enough. Right. So I went through a few titles. It was called, I named, I named her Phoebe because I like that name. And for a while it was like called Phoebe's Detective Agency. I played with some different concepts yeah. for it. And then one day, as I was despairing, because they kept like shooting my stuff down, be like, no, no, try something else. <laughs> one day, I drew a strip where she was talking to a unicorn. And it was like, it's just a one off joke yeah. about unicorns. But that, it was like one of those moments, like when, when I, when I, was, uh, when I, when I admitted to myself that I was a girl, it was like, there was, you sometimes you just know something yeah and 
And this was almost kind of like that. It was one of those ideas. It was just like, oh my God, that's it. Yeah. A kid and a unicorn. So like, I thought that's perfect. Cause like, what's the girl of a boy and a tiger? It's a girl and a unicorn. It was like, this is a strip that should already exist. Somebody should already have, plus I love unicorns. And by this time, my little pony friendship is magic had come on the air and I was a big fan of that show. So unicorns are kind of on my mind in 2011 anyway. Right. (laughs) So I entered my name into an online unicorn name generator. And that is why my unicorn is named Marigold Heavenly Nostrils. (laughs) It's such a great name. I think so, too. Yeah. Did you know, by the way, that uh, the name Childish Gambino is a result of Donald Glover entering his name into an online Wu-Tang Clan name generator? I I knew it was... I knew it was something. I didn't know it was exactly that. That's hilarious. So Childish Gambino and Marigold Heavenly Nostrils kind of came from the same place. (laughs) Honestly, that's the best news I've heard in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) So so after that, like my syndicate was like, oh, yeah, Kid and Unicorn. This is great. And the strip launched just a few months after that. And that, that was sort of the that was the magic idea that made it all work and like i feel like ozzy and millie was a 10-year conversation i was having with myself the two main characters kind of represented two different sides of me um ozzy was the sort of centered passive observer of the world millie was the angry why isn't the world better i hate everything kind of right you know the conversation that was going on in my head in my 20s yeah. and, and well and, and my teens when i started doing it and then all through my 20s when i kept drawing it and w- the main question that i was asking myself during development was what conversation do i want to have with myself now and it ended up sort of being between this you know wide-eyed little girl who's discovering the world and this ageless magic creature who's sort of in love with herself but and and i did not know that was the conversation i wanted to have with myself but once marigold showed up it wasn't even like i decided to put her in the strip was like she showed up she walked into the strip one day and was like i am now the other main character (laughs) in this comic let's get started (laughs) that's how marigold talks Uh, i love it Silence fives a ten is speaking. <laughs> <laughs> but what I love about Marigold is although she's incredibly arrogant and will not be ignored, she's also basically nice. Like she's right. she doesn't she doesn't lord the fact that she's better than you over you. She just thinks she's great and wants you to get to enjoy that. Yep. <laughs> what has been your favorite hmm, this is a this is a difficult question, I'm sure. But what has been your favorite strip that you've drawn of Phoebe and her unicorn? That seems like it would be a hard question, but I actually have a standard answer to that okay. question. It's this strip from early. It's in the second book, which is okay. called Unicorn on a Roll. And uh, Phoebe is trying to decide what she's going to get Marigold for Christmas. And... She's like, trying to decide this and she's like, okay, I'll make a list of things Marigold doesn't have. Things Marigold doesn't have. One, pants. And then Phoebe <laughs> giggles to herself and then Marigold walks in wearing pants and is like, look what I have. And Phoebe makes a face and crosses it out. 
I love it. I love it. It's usually so awesome. I don't laugh at my own work because I'm too close to it, but that one makes me giggle. Yeah. It's good. It's good. I I think what's so awesome is the fact I think you see this a lot um from time to time in artists and creators is that you start developing a concept or a comic strip or whatever the project is. And it's, it's, it's what you want and it's what you're pouring into, but it is, I I do find speaking for myself that a lot of times art is very autobiographical. Like we're, we're working through what we're thinking and we're finding a way to put it out. And it's a way, at least what I've observed is a way to like, all right, I've got it almost, I've got it out. You know, I can hold it. I can look at it. I can observe it from different angles. It's been inside my head. Now I can kind of take it out, look at it, digest it, rethink through it, figure out what's next. And then you kind of move forward onto the next thing and you go, ah, this is what I was gearing up for. This was prepping me. This was a dialogue I was having. Now I'm on to the next thing. And this is, I don't want to say it's not better. It's the next, the next chapter, right? So to speak. I think that's exactly right. And I, I, I feel like everything is kind of practice for the next thing. And it's always interesting looking at somebody's art over time because it's such a, like a story of what they cared about and what they were thinking about yes. and what, what they thought was funny or important at any given time. Yep. I, I kind of feel like you can read Phoebe and her unicorn over long stretch or Ozzie and Millie, anything I've done over long stretches of time. And like, you could almost chart what my moods were like. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of things I was thinking about during COVID. There were sort of a lot of strips where Phoebe's afraid of the larger world or sad about things. Right. And Marigold is there to comfort her. And that's sort of me comforting myself. And I hope other people, it's kind of my happy place. I hope other sure. people took some comfort in that too. Yeah. I think it's, it allows, it allows us as observers to identify with the art, be able to apply what we need to our own lives. And we, if, if we relate to it, fantastic. If we're just appreciating it and enjoying it, fantastic. But either way, it allows us the opportunity to reflect and to engage and and learn and have fun. I mean, it's it's all the wonderful things. It's um, you know, it's <laughs> we're we're thinking we're we're talking about this, and I'm I'm thinking about how my my daughter she got um so she she. She's six and she's really into chapter books right now. So she's consuming as many as she can. She loves like she loves reading everything and and Get after my own heart. Yes, she's fantastic. And so she she's been drawing anyway. She's been drawing for a while and has been uh, enjoying the artisticness of everything. But then she got a notebook and so she started writing her memoirs. She calls it her chapter book, but you know, chapter one first, and she started school this year for the first time. And so she's like chapter one, day one of school. And she's just like very stream of consciousness. And then I noticed cause she, she, she's written like 10 chapter titles and then she's filling them in one a day as she's going. And so she's thinking, you know, long form about this. And then I'm noticing she's writing and leaving like, gaps on the page and I'm like what 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 are you doing she's like oh these are for my illustrations that I have to do later I'm thinking about what they're going to be and they're going to be this and I'm just like oh uh okay and that's beautiful (laughs) 
love it. So I say all of that to say for parents who have kids that are already showing this inclination of wanting to create art and 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 either write or illustrate or draw or whatever, how can we encourage that artisticness and be a supportive uh, community and and safe space because I don't know anything about drawing and minimal about writing, but I want to encourage it a lot uh, because she is gung-ho about it and I just want to be able to foster it. That's the word I was looking for. Help foster that. What would be some advice you would give? I, my parents were not creative people particularly either. Mm. Like, they, but they, they were sort of like you. They realized that they had a kid who was thusly inclined and looked at me and they're like so what can we do for her and like they always made sure that i had creative supplies around to work with i always had paper markers pencils everything um my when i was old enough which was still pretty young like second or third grade my parents asked me if i wanted to do some after school art classes so i started doing that i, I really enjoyed that and just the feeling that like what I was doing mattered to them was very important. My mom saved like everything and now I've pretty much got all of it. And so when I go to schools and stuff, I can be like, here's a comic I drew when I was seven. <laughs> and it was just the feeling that what I was doing was valuable to them meant a lot to me. And I feel like there's a lot of resources now that didn't exist back then. Like yeah. I know um, there are like, I don't really... I haven't really done this, although maybe maybe I should start, but I know other cartoonists will do like drawing workshops online that you can sign up for and yeah. stuff or just post videos in places like YouTube where they'll walk you through the creative process. Like there's just, there's a lot of great resources out there. I should maybe make more of them myself, but you know, making comics is also a lot of work. Right, yeah. But yeah, I yeah. feel like for me as a kid, that was artistic, just knowing that adults respected and, and enjoyed that I was doing it as much as they would have if I was doing something else like playing sports was yeah. really important to me. I like that the the having the supplies around so it's not it's not a huge ask they're around you're able to grab them and use them it's 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 taking away the 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 obstacles or the blockers out of the way from that perspective and then having the ability to let your kid know that what they're doing matters to you. You care about it in the, and just as much as you're caring about them, you care about what they're doing and what they're contributing. So there's no, there's never any question or any doubt in the kid's mind. I can remember a few things that I was excited or passionate about as a kid. You know, I think I at times would overanalyze, is this something that my, my, my parents care about, do they not care about? I don't know, should I do this or not? And then the thing something as a kid, you're really attuned to. Yeah. Yeah. Your parents are kind of, well, I mean, you, you have kids and have <laughs> been a kid. So, you know, from right. both sides, what this is like, but like, you know, your parents are larger than life and yeah. their encouragement means a lot. Yeah. I feel like as a kid, just, just being interested in what they're doing means so much. It did to me. Yeah, I love that. I'm grateful that I got to have that, that my parents, particularly my mom, um, were very like, oh, this is what you're interested in. Well, show me. Mm. I like that. So powerful. 
as we are wrapping up this part of the show, I want to ask you, is there anything, any body of work that we've not covered that you would like to discuss or you would like the listeners to know about? No, um, I think we've we've covered pretty much my whole creative existence since my whole life has been one strip that I did for 10 years and then another strip that I've been doing for nine years. But uh, I did publish, I did illustrate a book that I did not write last year called I'm Not a Girl. It's a picture book. It was written by uh, Maddox Lyons and Jessica Verdi. And Maddox is a remarkable 13-year-old trans boy who wrote this story about what it was like coming out to his parents when he was a little bit younger and trying to explain who he was to them. And it's a lovely book uh, published by Macmillan last year. And I try to plug it whenever I can, because I think it's important. That's awesome. I love it. Well, we are going to go to the next part of the show, which is things to check out. So it is a segment where I provide some a recommendation of who I'm reading and who I'm listening to, and I ask my guests to do the same. So I will go ahead and go first. So who I'm reading and who I'm listening to. So I've got two book recommendations. Uh, so my first one uh, that my kids really love, it's a picture book. So it's called I Love My Purse by Belle DeMont. I cannot recommend this book highly enough. It is about a, a little boy who is given his mom's purse and he takes it all over town despite what other people may recommend. He says, this is what I want. This is who I am. And I am living my authentic life. My kids love it. They think it's fantastic. So definitely check that out. And then I always have to plug this as well. So Felix Ever After by Kaysen Callender. Kaysen was a guest on the show last year. Their book is absolutely fantastic. If you're not familiar with Felix Ever After, let me go ahead and give you a description. Uh, so it is uh, about a, it's a revelatory YA novel about a transgender teen grappling with identity and self-discovery while falling in love for the first time. And I cannot uh, confirm, but I do believe that Amazon Prime has picked up the rights to it and they are turning it into a show. So definitely oh, th check it that's out. That's wonderful. Yes. So very yeah. good. And then uh, who I'm listening to. So uh, listening to, I always want to give a plug to my friends uh, at the Coming Out podcast with Lauren and Nicole. So Nicole Payson's been a guest on here before. Their podcast is fantastic. You should definitely check it out. Uh, they highlight folks coming out stories. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. So go check it out. All right, Dana, who are you reading and who are you listening to? Well, the thing that I have been reading most recently is uh, there was a graphic novel that came out a few years ago uh, called Sheets by an author named Brenna Thumler. And Sheets is lovely. Um, it's a story about a little girl who recently lost a parent who becomes friends with a little ghost boy <laughs> who, who is sort of mourning himself in a way. It's, sure. it's, it's, it's beautiful and it's sad and it's sweet. And recently I have been reading its sequel, Delicates, which came out, I think, a few months ago. I'm, I'm only now getting to it. Sure. But I think that Sheets is, is a thing of beauty. Cool. I recommend it. I've also... Uh, recently read a book that I don't think is out yet. I think I just got it because I'm an important author person, but I'm going <laughs> to plug it, I guess, for when it is out. It's sure. a graphic novel adaptation adaptation of the book, A Secret Garden, Ooh. or the, the Secret Garden. The Secret Garden. Yeah. The Secret Garden uh, by 
uh, I forgot the forgot the correct title of the thing I'm playing. Uh, adapted by Mariah Marston, illustrated by Hannah Luchtefeld. I've only ever seen it in print. Sorry, Hannah. Um, but it's a it's a really pretty adaptation. I know that uh, Mariah I did an adaptation of Anne of Green Gables as a graphic oh. novel a few years ago that I also really enjoyed. That's awesome. So yeah, I've been reading a lot of graphic novels. Shocker. Right. Although a lot of the a lot of the time if you talk to me, I'm reading nonfiction. You just happen to get me at a time when I've been reading graphic novels again. <laughs> uh, it's all and good. I love it. My I think my listening recommendations are probably not quite as interesting, but I've been binging uh the podcast you're wrong about recently. Ooh, okay. Uh but it, I just kind of been binging this one show. Uh, and it's it's a pretty interesting podcast that's where they like go into issues that people kind of know but they know it wrong oh like, that's I, interesting i was listening to their whole series about the oj simpson trial oh i bet that was so fascinating it's a pretty fascinating deep dive into like the the, the events and also like the individual personalities were sort of drawn into this if you ever wanted to hear multiple episodes about kato kalen <laughs> They've got you. But like the, the one I listened to before that was the one about uh, the like Tipper Gore's anti heavy metal music campaign in the 80s, which is oh, something I, I remember that happening when I was a kid. Right. Anyway, it's a pretty great podcast. I think that's awesome. And we're all, you know, wrong about different things and we remember <laughs> it wrong. So I think having somebody actually fact check it for us is... It's sort of fascinating to go through your whole life thinking you kind of know something, but then realize you don't really. You just absorbed some shallow piece of conventional wisdom when you were 12. <laughs> and that's just been your your knowledge of that subject the whole your whole life up to now. And then revisiting it and being like, oh, that's what that was. Right. <laughs> I love it. There was a lot more racism in it than I remembered. <laughs> Always, it seems to be. Always. Oh, definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to transition to the final part of the show. So it's the dad joke of the week. It's a segment where I hurl <laughs> jokes at my unsuspecting guests in an attempt to get them to laugh while the audience groans. But I can't hear the audience. <laughs> I can only hear my guests. So it works out. But I do like to put my guest on the spot. Dana, do you have any jokes that you would like to offer up today? Oh man, no. <laughs> jokes. What jokes do I know? Um, what's brown and sticky? No, no, better. <laughs> Let me think. Uh, what has nine arms and sucks? Oh, I don't know. What? Def Leopard. <laughs> Just pour some sugar on it. <laughs> see that got a laugh out of me i'm easy <laughs> dana what do you call a bee that can't make up its mind what a maybe maybe oh my god <laughs> <laughs> all right uh why why is peter pan always flying peter pan's always why flying. because he never lands he never all right last one last one last one uh why couldn't the green Pepper practice archery. Why? Because it didn't habanero. It didn't have an arrow. Uh. 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 All right, Dana, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, my website is danasimpson.com. I'm on Twitter as at Ms. Dana Claire. Uh, at Phoebe and her uni is my official comic Twitter account. And also Phoebe and her unicorn is on Facebook. 
perfect. Oh, and you can read Phoebe and your unicorn every day on gocomics.com. Ooh, there it is. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Dana, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been an absolute delight. I loved it so much, and I can't wait to have you back on again. This it's been, been fun for me, too. Have me back anytime. <laughs> um, you know, unless I'm doing something else. Right. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.